morning, internet, and welcome back to another episode of the Ezra Lip Hour, more or less. Yes, yes, definitively, more or less. And today on this wonderful episode, we have the amazing Bonnie Payne. It's really something I've noticed in our travels lately is just really profound love like people just like really wanting to express their enthusiasm and love and care for each other and for the thing that we're all a part of we're all woven of the same stuff we're just different expressions of it and the more that we can accept that and embrace that i think the more we can create beauty together but before we get to bonnie and there will be plenty of bonnie Hey guys, what's up? I missed you. It's man, this this uh, this new two week schedule I'm trying out. It uh, I feel I feel a little further away from you guys as as opposed to checking in every week like we normally do. However, it's actually feeling a lot more sustainable for all the things I have going on in my life. So I think I'm gonna stick with it for now, and I hope that's all right with you. Um, but it's able to. Let me be more consistent and uh, and a reliable um, podcaster host person, and you get to uh, you know just experience that little bit of absence that makes the heart grow fonder. Or, or all of us really. Um, anyway, enough about me. Except for I'll say okay. No, there's a few other things about me. Let's but let's get them out of the way. Um. Hey, thank you all so much for those that have left reviews since the last episode. I think I had said we were at nine ratings and reviews and I wanted to get to 15. Guess how many we got to? 15. Okay, so let's get to 30 by next time. Is that is that doable? Another 15? I know that's ambitious, but it, it seems like you guys just like got right on the mark. So 15 people, come on right now. Sign into iTunes, sign into Stitcher. Let's let's get those reviews going. I really appreciate them. They help uh, the podcast get out to more people and everyone can enjoy in these wonderful conversations, which I got to say, if it's not clear, I'm learning so much from and I'm enjoying so much and feel just so lucky to be privy to all these wonderful, wise, um, warm, lovely, lovely people that um, I've chosen to be my guest, but also um, that you've chosen. For instance, Bonnie Payne um, would have been on my shortlist anyway, of course, because she's awesome, but I did have a, a, a handful of requests for her, and now she's on the show. So if you haven't requested or there's somebody uh, that you feel strongly you'd like me to try to set up a conversation with, let me know. I'm easy to, I'm easy, I'm easy to connect to. Ezra Lip at Gmail, the Ezra Lip Hour Gmail, you can hit me up through Facebook, Instagram, direct messaging. I'm not a big on Twitter, but I do have a thing maybe one day. Anyway, I'm easy to find. And also, you can sign up for the Ezra Lip newsletter, which right now is an amalgamation of stuff about the podcast, stuff about my uh, just general music freelancing career, and stuff about the band, Magic in the Other, my band, which, by the way, if you're in the Bay Area and you're listening to this the week of its broadcast, which is the first week of October 2017. This week on Wednesday, October 4th, it's the start of our three-month Catch Us Fall residency at 
Ivy Room in Albany, California. We're really excited. We're going to be playing twice a month over the next three months. Starting this Wednesday, we have a different band guesting with us every every show. This time, it's uh, El Duo featuring Harry Murphy and Randy Schwartz. Harry uh, of Harry and the Hitman and Sun Hop Fat. Randy Schwartz um, is a great drummer and played with Brett Denon for years. And they have this electronic improvisational Ethiopian Afrobeatish kind of really cool duo called El Duo. So that's going to be this Wednesday if you're in the Bay Area. Please check it out and check us out throughout the next three months. We're going to have a lot more exciting stuff for Magic and the other coming down the pipeline. So um, if you haven't checked it out already, we got some really great um, high-quality videos on our website, magicandtheother.net. And uh, yeah, we're just getting started, but we're going to be making a record in December, January. I booked the studio time, so... Lots of lots of stuff coming down the pipeline. So anyway, um, that's just a word from our sponsor, Magic and the Other. Moving right along, my guest today, um, my guest today is the vocalist and percussionist, uh, which includes Stompbox and Washboard and Djembe. She also plays the saw, and she also plays the cello, and probably a bunch of other things that I'm not aware of. In the amazing group out of Nederland, Colorado, Elephant Revival. If you're not familiar, Elephant Revival is a really special group. They've been together since 2006, and they've pretty much been touring constantly since then. They've released a half a dozen records. Their latest pedals came out uh, last year. It's really great. And they have a really special blend of, you know, it's in the folk Americana thing, and they have a Celtic, Irish thing going on sometimes they have a bluegrass kind of thing going on they have a rock thing indie rock thing going on sometimes but really it's a pretty unique sound um and it's kind of the main songwriting as i understand it is uh daniel rodriguez and bonnie Payne, and uh that's who i have today and um i should say so they've been touring and grown to play major festivals all over the country they've headlined at red rocks um they've had features and um, been written up in the New York Times and NPR and the Guardian UK. And uh, they've just really got some special, you know, grassroots following and, and kind of have a lot of accolades and, and are really, really doing great. So check out Elephant Revival and and uh, they're a very special group. And I have um, some personal, my, my introduction to Elephant Revival and uh, specifically the the members in it actually came before I was familiar with their music in 2012, I was on the road with a band called Huckle with my friends Simon, Kurth, and Murph. And uh, we were on tour and we stopped We stopped in Nederland um, at the home of uh, Bonnie and Daniel. And um, Simon was friends with them. And before I knew it, we were out and we were eating really lovely brunch at a restaurant and then they took us to a swimming hole and uh, brought their their friend's son along, and um, we just had a really great day swimming and rafting and being silly in the middle of Colorado in the summer. They were very gracious, and then I got to meet the rest of the bands uh, throughout some festivals. The next couple, uh, you know, since then at, at different uh, different events and stuff, and they're all they're all lovely people. Elephant Revival are also involved in lots of social justice and environmental 
causes. Um, and so they're really doing a great part to kind of mend being a touring band with creating unifying and harmonious experiences for people and the planet, which, um, if you're catching on is something that I'm also passionate about. So it's a pleasure to get to talk about some of that stuff with Bonnie as well. So anyway, let me just go through my checklist. I think that's my whole spiel for today. So I won't have any more further ado. Yep. I think we're good. I think we're good. Are you excited? I'm excited. Okay. Oh wait, one other thing. Take a screenshot right now and just put it on Instagram and be like, Hey, check it out. I'm listening to this great podcast. It'll help. Okay. That's all I'm going to say without further ado. Please welcome the lovely, the amazing, the magical, Bonnie Payne. So, so what's been happening with, um, with, with music and um, how, 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 how recent has this decision for Bridget leaving uh, come into play? Um, she just made the announcement last week, just okay. a few days ago. Um, and then Indian filled in for her last weekend but we've been meeting about it all summer um and i realized it um in the springtime really i i had a talk with her and i was like you know i can feel where your where your heart is and where your energy's at right now and um i know that you love this band but i can tell that you want to be home and so yeah and she was pretty clear on that so yeah so it's hard, but I think it also opens up a whole different um, world of enthusiasm too. To have you know, when you have somebody who's ready to be somewhere else in the band, and then they finally you know make that move into a place that they feel happy about, um, and when they're your friend and you care about their happiness, then it's like a relief, and then it opens up this great space for enthusiasm like the we have four different fiddlers that are gonna try out kind of just feel it out together this fall and they're all freaking amazing so cool. <laughs> excited. who who yeah. are they you have it it would would enya be a possible full-time yeah Enyan tiller is, yep. <clears throat> is one and um this girl natalie padilla is another she's great and this weekend, or this, yeah, this weekend, we're going to go on a river rafting trip with this guy, Phil Roach. Um, Is that any relation then, to, oh, Phil Roach, okay. I was, yeah, I was going to say any relation to, to Randy Crouch, but that's an entirely different last name. Never mind. Oh, just one letter different. Yeah. So I wish, God, I wish. Okay. <laughs> we have had Randy Crouch fill in for Bridget before, actually. Yeah. Uh huh. It was pretty funny. It was awesome. Nice. Um, she couldn't make it to one of our, a couple of our Oklahoma gigs, so he filled in and just tore it up. He's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wanted so to was to. I was curious about that. Um, I was reading about how you and your sisters, when you were young, like basically became his backing band in Oklahoma. Yeah. Is that what? Um, uh, yeah. How did that come about? That and, and maybe was, you could introduce Randy Crouch a little bit for people oh, that yeah. aren't familiar with him. So my dad met Randy Crouch when they were both 13 um, in the 60s. And he they were really good friends. And then when they got older, 
um, Randy was looking for, he had had a band, um, and then he was looking for a rhythm section, a drummer mainly. And when my parents got divorced, I moved across the street from who had become my stepsisters. And, um, I would spy on my oldest stepsister. I had a window that was level with hers upstairs or my brother's room. And I'd watch her play the drums. Uh, so she's just, amazing. So these are y- your, y- your, um, I'm sorry, I can't remember. You said your, your mom or your dad eventually would marry your neighbor. Um, no, actually what's funny is they aren't the ones that got married. Um, my, um, my dad, so my mom moved to town, right? And she moved across the street from my stepsister's father. Um, but my dad ended up marrying their mom. There's some really good stories in there. I I could tell you, let's see. Okay. So here's how the initial meeting went. Um, my brother saw my stepsister playing drums on the second story of our neighbor's house and he climbed up a tree that was leveled to her window. And he was like, he said, Hey, Randy Koch is looking for a drummer and you sound great. She was practicing a lot of like John Bonham, a lot of Led Zeppelin, Jimi Hendrix, which was kind of his style at the time. They became friends. Um, he ended up introducing Christy, the, it, my oldest sister now, stepsister, um, to Randy Crouch, and she became his drummer. Um, and then he also befriended her other sister, who is now our stepsister. And so my brother, in the middle of a snowstorm one night, took our go-kart from the country where we lived and drove 15 miles into town to their house, and the go-kart broke down. Um, and so his, so my stepmom had to call my dad and say, hey, your son is here. Um, I don't know how he got here, <laughs> but you need to come get him. And so that's how my, my uh, stepmom and father met and fell in love. So... Um, Christy became the drummer for Randy Crouch, my oldest stepsister. And, um, she started dating the bass player for Randy Crouch who had a big Greyhound bus that, um, ended up breaking down in our driveway at my dad's house. Hmm. Um, so the Christy, who is now the drummer and the bass player for Randy Crouch lived in our yard and just broke down bus for a few years and they became our mentors for me and my blood sister and my other stepsister. So the three of us would have music lessons at night, mostly from the bass player for Randy Crouch. So we ended up learning all of his songs and Randy would come and visit us too and teach us songs too. Um, So we started sitting in when I was probably 10 or something, maybe eight was the first time, but that was just singing Jeremiah was a bullfrog and Foxy Lady uh, by Jimi Hendrix. Nice. And then um, when I was 12 and my other sister was 13 and the other was 14, uh, we ended up backing Randy Crouch up in town at the theater in Tahlequah, Oklahoma. And that was our first like gig as being Randy Crouch's Flying Horse Opera backing band. A great we were all name. very young. <laughs> yeah. And and can you describe a little bit of who Randy is? I and kind of yeah. know a little about him, but he seems like a character. Yeah, he's amazing. He's, he's definitely a character. There's a lot of really good Randy Crouch stories all over the place. Um, but he's like kind of an old quirky wizard now. I mean, 
I wouldn't say old. He's a very spirited, wizard-like, um, hillbilly creature that lives out in the country in a dome house and um, was a was a phenomenal fiddle player. Uh, we would some people would call him Jimi Hendrix on the fiddle, the way he would play, and an amazing songwriter. He's written hundreds and hundreds of songs and all amazing kind of psychedelic country rock and roll uh style songs and um very free thinking very sweet he's technically my godfather i guess so hmm. um he's a good good guy and hilarious i love all the stories he's a good one so when you were when you were first having these lessons with with him and his bass player was it pretty it, I, I kind of am getting the impression that it somewhat informal as far as just like you're learning songs and you're probably learning about forms and different styles like biosmosis, like more than like formal like lessons, like technical lessons. Is that, am I accurate at all? Yeah, it was mostly all by ear. And it started out with all three of us on drums, well, all four of us, because our oldest sister would we would set up two drum sets and my oldest sister would teach the other three of us drums. Um, so that it started with rhythm. And then my dad would throw these big parties and we'd set up a flatbed trailer and set up two drum sets and we'd all sit in on different songs. And sometimes all four of us at the same time on the two drum sets. Um, and then it started, I guess at one point, um, well so we had a kind of a family tragedy happen in one of the rooms of our house and my dad's way of coping with that was to fill the room with instruments so he went to a pawn shop and you know next thing we knew we had you know fender amps and uh, electric bass and guitar and congos and bongos and uh I remember my mom picking us up once and just being furious and saying, you know, these kids have holes in their shoes and you just got them electric guitars. Mm. <laughs> what is going on? But it was his way of trying to transform um, something that was pretty hard for all of us. And um, that's where the lessons started taking place. So we would all try out different instruments until we figured out which ones we resonated with. And then we got to experience what it was like to actually like, play as a band we actually another part of that story is so he bought all these instruments right and then he bought tickets to pink floyd um for everybody in the family and all of our friends um my brother had died basically my brother's favorite band was pink floyd mm, I'm sorry. and so oh it's okay um so his way of responding to that was to get tickets for everybody who knew him basically to this pink floyd concert in dallas texas and we loaded up a church bus that had also broke down in our yard and um, drove that with all of us to go see Pink Floyd. And just, I remember me and my sisters like watching what you could do as a band was just, it's just so exhilarating. And we got home so excited to play, you know, different instruments together instead of all playing the drums at the same time, which was also very fun. Um, and so I split off to electric guitar and my other sister started playing bass. And then my sister, Sarah, stayed on the drums. And we became the rat nurses, um, even though we didn't want to be called that. The, that was what the they rat, called The rat nurses? 
Mm-hmm. That was that Randy's because, idea? No, that was my dad's because we always, um, well, two reasons we would we found little orphaned rats in our barn, and, like repeatedly that we would um, carry around in a shoebox and try to bottle feed to health. And then um, because my dad would have these big parties and at night when it came time for everybody to go to sleep, we would be making pallets for everybody who stayed the night. So we were like the nurses. It sounds like quite a, quite a colorful childhood, like flatbed truck parties and, you know, playing in a band with, with your siblings and, and, and nursing rats in a barn. Like, I feel like there's, there, those those kind of memories are, are probably more rare um, for for people growing up today. <laughs> with with uh, you know, I mean, just e- e- even probably in your town in Oklahoma, just I mean, with with technology and and how kids are like more tuned into those experiences than than like playing music and hanging out outside. Like, I don't know. It's it sounds like you're you're lucky you you had that. Yeah, it, yeah, I agree. I appreciate it. It is interesting to see the next generation of, you know, my siblings' kids, kind of absorbed in their iPhones sometimes, and I always have to nudge them a little to get them to be present. Which I had a, last weekend. I got my nephew. There was an open mic. We were in Arkansas together, and um, I got to get him up there to play a song he'd written on guitar. And, we ran upstairs really quick to go get the guitar and I was like, okay, let's warm up for just a second in the hotel room. Let me hear what you're going to play. And he busted it out. And it was, you know, a little 10 second piece of a song. And I was like, that's great. Let's see if we can make a bridge so that we can repeat that later and have like a middle section. Then you'll have, you know, maybe even a whole minute or something of a piece of song. And it was fun for him to just kind of like explore with what he had in his hands, you know, like it was a very tactile, you know, listening, very present experience. And to see his mind work with that was really beautiful. And, he, you know, kind of, I just like suggested, you know, maybe you can, you know, inc- include a feeling of descending or ascending or whatever. And we added this little part and then we ran downstairs and played the open mic. It was a new song. It's really cute. Nice. <laughs> it's, I think it takes you know, the adults making the space for them to have those experiences and taking the time. And I really appreciate that. I think um, the community that I was surrounded by was really supportive, um, you know, partly because of my brother's death, probably. They just wanted to see some more positivity integrated in our lives. So I'm grateful for that. Yeah. I'm just curious if, but do you mind sharing how your brother died? Um, yeah. Well, he ended up, he committed suicide in our, the band room, what became the band room. Yeah. Pretty much. So, um, just got very confused and overwhelmed. He was a really brilliant, brilliant person and who just functioned very differently from everyone else. So, I think... I wish we had more facilities, more places, um, more tools to work with people who have different ways of thinking that are beautiful and brilliant, but just don't quite fit in sometimes. And they end up <clears throat> feeling pretty isolated, I think. 
one of those. I think there's a lot of people like that in our world. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, I'm really, really sorry to hear that, but um, I'm glad that you were able to have some positivity come out of that with with your father filling that space with music. I'm sure it uh, in no way ever made up for that, you know, that pain and that wound that you guys feel. But um, at least it it led to to generative stuff in your lives yeah it's true. it continues to too my yeah. nephew I was telling you about just sent me a text yesterday saying I learned Pink Floyd Wish You Were Here um, which is the song that we learned to play for my brother's funeral um, we didn't end up playing it but I my stepmom showed me the chords and stuff and, but Brandy Crouch played it at his funeral mm. so it, that's my first introduction to chords. And then when did you start writing your own stuff? Um, I mean, my sisters and I messed around with silly stuff, kind of like punk songs. And, and then maybe when I was later in my teenage years, like around 18 or 19, I started writing acapella stuff, acapella songs. Um, and then later figured out how to put chords to the acapella songs. Did you say punk songs? Kind of punkish rock and roll. Yeah, (laughs) that's cool. That's, that's, I, that's somewhat, you know, it's, it's, it's a little different than, than what I'm mostly familiar with, with your music sounding like. So that's cool to think of you as a young woman, like rocking out (laughs) and playing punk songs. I was also the youngest following my sisters (laughs) yeah they're definitely a little edgier than i (laughs) and then at what point so you 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 said you took to the electric guitar and Mm -hmm. what point did you start gravitating towards percussion um well i when i took to the electric guitar i also took to the congos and bongos so because with randy um it would just be scary to play electric guitar with him because he was such a spontaneous guy. Um, he would just throw songs at us and throw modulations and, you know, kind of improv spots that for me would be scary. So I would just opt out and play the congas and bongos for that stuff, which, you know, was fun. And I liked the, the kind of, it was more comfortable for me it just felt safer to have this whole little fortress of congress and bloggers around me mm. while I was exploring performance. Um, and then the washboard came when I was at Winfield Bluegrass Festival in Kansas, probably when I was 18. Um, my dad just noticed I was always tapping on stuff. And he, we were at this festival and he said, let's go down to the market and get you some banjo picks, some finger picks, and you can borrow um, Steve Fields, this washboard player. I was at the festival, I got to borrow his washboard. And I ended up, you know, sitting in with a whole bunch of bands that weekend because it's just a big jam. Everybody signs up and plays acoustically. And I got to, I had it, yeah, I got to sit in with a lot of people. It was fun. 
you you seem to have a style on the washboard that well let's just say like when i usually think of the washboard it tends to be more like i guess maybe um annoying sounding <laughs> then <laughs> like not not annoying but like it it has like a, a very, it could have like an abrasive you know almost almost like you know it could it could be cool but it could it could have like an abrasive like cheesy effect in 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 certain music i've heard but i feel like yeah. you are like definitely the most and and i'm not i you know i couldn't name like another like you know professional washboard player maybe maybe a couple but like you know but you seem to be like the most eloquent i player that i i've seen and like seem to almost like legitimize the instrument for me more and um that which is which is amazing and i'm wondering if if you had like people that influenced you on that or if you kind of just found your own way and found to fit it in to the music you were working on in a way that was uh more more dynamic and sensitive mm. well yeah i think my older sister always emphasized like you know playing drums um you know the most important role that you have is listening because you're going to be what creates you kind of create a lot of space that way or you could just drown everything out and so maybe that was part of it and um i am i sing quieter too so if i were to sing any songs i would have to play softer um to help that volume make sense and um I think just always tapping on things too. Like that's a pretty gentle, quiet movement. I would always pretend I was playing instruments or or notes were coming out where my fingers landed just to, for fun, um, to bear through the, the board of school a lot of times. I, I, I used to do that as well. <laughs> totally. Right. I, yeah. It's finally useful, isn't it? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I learned something. <laughs> That's good. It, do you feel like you have a native instrument or do you feel like you're kind of at equally at home or with, with a few of them? They all have different um, kind of comfortable or um, I relate to them all differently, I think, because the cello is definitely the instrument I'm most passionate about and that I can write with the easiest and I feel... I can be very expressive with it and I've been really, really enjoying playing the cello. I, um, that's been something that I just did by myself up until, you know, this last year or something, but I've written on that for 14 to 15 years. Rad. Is that, is that with, um, the addition of Darren, that Darren Garvey, the, the elephant revival percussionist that you were able to, uh, integrate that more? Yes, definitely. He holds it down, so it frees me up to play around and on the melodic instrument, which is really, really fun. Yeah. Uh, so that, and I can still use the stomp box when I play the cello, which is nice. Um, and the washboard is definitely like the most effortless thing, you know, because mm. it's just like movements I've done my whole life. Mm. When I listen to music, I'd always tap on my heart, and it's, uh, you know, the same same rhythms a lot of it's like dancing kind of 
And then the saw is more like, kind of like whistling. So pretty, pretty natural. Yeah. How much practice does it take to learn how to play melodies on the saw? Um, I don't know. I think it depends on probably how you approach it and how well you can hear the melody in your head before you play it. Because that's a big part of it. You know, when you whistle, mm-hmm. you kind of hear what you're whistling as you whistle right before it. You know, you can learn technique and stuff on guitar and, and piano and, you know, cello. And you can play, you can mimic things. But with the saw, you really have to be able because you're, it's kind of a shot in the dark. You're, you're just, you're bending the metal till it feels like it will resonate where you want it to. So you have to really imagine the melody coming out of it. <laughs> does that make sense? Yeah, it, it does. And then will the each saw be different depending on like subtle variations in length or, or weight or width or? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you really have in to fact, like, yeah. Yeah. And, and find what works for you. But like last night I recorded on the California Honey Drops album that's going to come out. Nice. It was so fun. It's going to be, that's a cool song. That's funny. Cause I was just thinking about when I was talking, thinking about other washboard players. Um, ben was the person that came to mind. Oh yeah. Not, not as being annoying, but just as like, hmm, what other washboard players do I know? And you know, yeah. Yeah. He makes it work great when he yeah, pulls it out. It's, he's great. Yeah. They're a wonderful band. I love those guys. Totally. But yeah, that was fun to like the melody that Lesh wanted me to do was like beyond the um it was the very highest, highest note that I knew was possible mm. on that. I didn't even know it was possible on that song actually. I, it it was pretty interesting to try to bend it that way and make it that taut, but I had to try out a few I have um four saws at home and I was like trying them all out um, to see if it would be easier on any of them and ended up just with the saw that I normally perform with, which isn't the easiest to play. It's, um, but it's just, it's maybe it's just cause it's what I'm used to, but it has like a nice voice to it to me. It's an old Musul and Westfall uh, saw made in the fifties. So I went with that. So, um, I'm curious, uh, as, as a, as a person in the world and as a musician and just as a, someone who I imagine is, um, I very tuned in to things, um, wondering how you're feeling these days, <laughs> given, given the state of, um, of uh of the the crazy world we're in yeah um well i mean it it fluctuates and sometimes everything sometimes is quite daunting um especially when you watch the news yeah um but a lot of first-hand experience with people a lot of the festivals we've been playing there's also some really extreme kindness and innovative thinking and um, kind of passion for community and collaboration that seems to be thriving also. So it seems like we're 
we're living in a time of extremes, um, and it feels like that's a lot of times, um, you know, things um, polarize right before there's a big shift. Um, to me, it feels like we're on the verge of a big shift of some kind, hopefully a positive one. Yeah. And maybe in the midst of a, a small regression. <laughs> but um, like my mom always said, you know, watch the way the ocean surges forward and then there's a little bit of a pullback and then it surges forward the way the waves move. And, you know, that's possibly what we're in the midst of is one of those little pullbacks in the middle of the wave before it surges forward again. Right. Hopefully. Right. Hopefully. Hopefully not the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I really, I mean, I don't think it's um, just naive thinking. It's really something I've noticed in our travels lately is just really profound love. Like people just like really wanting to express their enthusiasm and love and care for each other and for the thing that we're all a part of. Um, and it's been really interesting to see. Like, we're, It's a very exciting time that we're in, I think. When you say the thing we're all a part of, you mean this this life? Yeah, I mean, we're all woven of the same stuff. Um, we're, we're all expressions, I think, of the same, like thing we're 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 made of the same stuff (laughs) yeah and um we're just different expressions of it and the more that we can accept that and embrace that i think the more we can create beauty together i'm i'm with you on that one yeah there's definitely a lot of forces out there that um, inhibit that kind of embracing and encourage um, more separating and um, but yeah I think people seem to be coming to a kind of togetherness on their own which is really beautiful to see and yeah there's a lot of hope in that to me I was just going to ask if you were if you were generally hopeful about about the future Usually, and then sometimes I'm also scared, of course, and um, seeing the extremes that were, are going on. Um, this, yeah, it's not too late yet, and I think it's important to, to at least, you know, to keep in focus what we want as a as a group of living things on this planet, um, try to keep that in focus because there's otherwise there's really no hope and not to just, you know, naively imagine that everything's fine, but to keep into focus what direction we would like to be headed. Like my mom always said, I know I'm quoting my mom again. That's great. (laughs) great. I'm sure she's Um, great. (laughs) She's cool. (laughs) Um, but she said, um, you know, the universe doesn't care what's good or right or wrong or bad or um, what you want or don't want. It only cares about what you put your energy into. So put your energy 
into what you want to happen and visualizing is a form of putting your energy into something. So I think it's, there's infinite potential in this reality. I mean, with something that can't even stand up like a caterpillar can just like wiggle its way across the ground, can go into a little cocoon and sprout wings and suddenly fly over the place. Like anything's possible. So just trying to, keep in perspective that there is a lot of detrimental impact on the planet right now and and people in terrible, terrible living situations and oppressed people and people in, you know, war-stricken areas. But there's also still the potential for us to ascend that beyond that and evolve like we have continued to do um, throughout time. I mean, to some degree... I think we've continued to grow in the way of expanded consciousness and um, caring for each other and, you know, acknowledging that we're a part of something together. That seems to be a general direction that we've gone over time. Maybe there's been regressions here and there for sure, but hopefully we can get through this. (laughs) I hope. And I think part of the key to getting through it also is to... Um, to try not to contribute to the polarizing of peoples, you know, of, oh, they're just, you know, they're just horrible people or they're just bad. I mean, when anybody who is seriously inflicting society or the planet, I don't think they're doing it because they get off on it. I think that there is like a, there's off, there's some kind of disruption there in their upbringing. There's some kind of like separateness that, um, and the, if we just further alienate them with like, oh, those guys, you know, um, then there is going to be more complications. But I think the people who do the most harm are people who have have become detached to the thing that we're a part of, to this planet. And um, the more that they can be welcomed back in, which is the least intuitive response to have to somebody who's screwing everything up. Um, but, you know, to be able to love even, even those people and hold space for them in a place in this strange world, I, I think, you know, all the hatred that is getting pushed towards Donald Trump um, scares me because hatred is what creates monsters. And uh, I don't think that's going to help our situation at all. Not that you can't feel appalled and can't feel frightened and absolutely, you know, just terrified by some of the stuff he's done. But the hatred piece will just tear us all down and create more of a monster of him, I think. Is that too much? No, that's, <laughs> this is, this is great. And, and I agree with you. And I, I, and I, 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 I value that perspective a lot. Um, what do you think is a more like appropriate, you know, how do, so how do, how do we, deal with this stuff like how, do, how where where do we direct our energy as far as a response to that or do we just direct it elsewhere or what do you have any ideas right well yeah i certainly don't know all the answers so i don't want to seem assumptuous <laughs> of course i have no idea and the more i learn the more i don't know but um i think that it feels like a natural step to just start looking within your own surroundings for 
um, how you can support each other as a community, you know, um, which it seems pretty basic, but that's a huge step to support local economy um, and not count on the government to even everything out for us because mm-hmm. um, they never really could. A lot of that is up to us and the way that we spend our money um, is the way that we empower companies. So, and then the way we dispose of what we don't want is up to us too. You know, growing food in your yard and then offering (laughs) the excess to your neighbor is a a small move forward. (laughs) An act of civil disobedience, if you will. Yeah, right, totally. Just, um, yeah, kind of strengthening our relations to each other as a people in a non-threatening way. I'm curious um, on that topic of, of strengthening relationships to people. What about the community you, you foster on, on the road? Do you feel like you've made some strong connections over the years traveling? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, the the band is like a family Um and I really do love all of my bandmates a lot. <laughs> um, I love the feeling of being like a, a tribe when we're together and everybody has a different kind of role, um, different quirky characteristics about them. <laughs> like, so definitely a broad spectrum of people that we travel with. Uh, and then whenever we arrive, we always go to the local co-op or if there's a farmer's market and get to meet people that way and um yeah there's always new friends that we make on the road and it's nice we do have our own little traveling family that connects with families all over the country you know everywhere we go there's suddenly a form of more and more as we grow too of of kind of thinking in different communities and different cities on the road and and here too. I mean, I do. I go to the little fruit stand every time I get home, and I go to the co-op and the yoga studios. Those are like my places to connect with the community. And then they have these open jams down in the park that I'll go and check out whenever I'm home. Nice. See everybody. I have like half the people in this town are musicians, so it's fun. <clears throat> Did you always kind of know that? you wanted to make a, a career out of uh, playing music or, or at what point did you realize like, Oh, actually this is, this is what I do. Mm, yeah. No, I didn't realize it when I was younger. I mean, I knew I loved it and loved everything about music, but the idea of um, performing, like I had my own little world in Tahlequah Oklahoma. So performing there was easy. It was all like community and stuff. But the idea of performing for bigger crowds just seemed terrifying at the time. And I remember my mom got my horoscope done once and it said, you know, you'll be a singer. And I was like, yeah, right. I could never do that in front of anybody. Mm. You know, like there's no way. Um, so yeah, I didn't really anticipate it that much. I wanted to. I had lots of hopes of, um, wanted, you know, as a kid, like a lot of kids want to be a veterinarian, wanted to be a gymnast, um, and then wanted to be a 
maybe a neuroscientist to figure out the solution to schizophrenia was a passion for a while. Mm. And then uh, wanted to be a ethnomusicologist pretty passionately throughout um, high school and when I went to college. Just travel around and document music around the world and write about it, which I still want to do that. And also I've always wanted to be a midwife. Um, and I'm still going to do that. Too. Nice. <laughs> I'd like to record a singing doulas album someday where I just collect songs from around the world of uh, birthing songs that women have sang during birth for, you know, however long. And then, you know, if somebody does need to be in a chaotic, very sterile environment, you know, that feels impersonal, maybe they could put something on, at least music on that feels really rootsy and help connect them back to the idea that women have been doing this for for thousands and thousands of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're all products of that. Yep. I read a little bit about some of the um, ways that your band has been kind of trying to offset your, well, probably lots of things, but offset your carbon footprint and also contribute and support to various um, environmental causes. And I'm wondering if you wanted to talk a little about some of those things you guys have going on. Yeah. um, We try to do what we can when we can. Um, We work with Rock the Earth sometimes. That's a good uh, organization here in town. And Frack Free Colorado, we did some work with them to try and help stop the fracking sites from getting set up here, Um, which has just been a sad that journey but who knows is there a lot been coming up a lot of fracking sites yeah like Longmont and east of Longmont between here and Greeley and a lot of kids um, getting sick that have the the, uh, frack sites set up close to an elementary school near Longmont and Ah. kids are getting bloody noses and are you serious and And what's and what's what's happening as a response to that I think they enforced a regulation to have it no less than, I want to say, 500 feet from, uh, from uh, what do you call it, like a, an area where people would be, I'm sorry, like a neighborhood or a school or a public place, I guess, which is still like 500 feet, is not so, yeah, that far, especially when they're drilling out. Once they go down underground, they drill um, horizontally out and under all these places and that can crack into the water table and get into people's drinking water and stuff. So it's very dangerous and sad, but there has been some progress in other areas of the world. I just got back from Ireland and they were able to ban it completely out of their entire country. I mean, Northern Ireland, the part that's not in the UK. Mm -hmm. That was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Um, we sometimes will work with like local farmers and stuff to let them represent our table at our places and invite local politicians and go on hikes with them to talk about land preservation, um, which has been pretty cool. Really? That's, that's really cool. Yeah. That's pretty neat. 
Um, we did one right before Red Rocks that was really cool and had um, the governor come out, and that was really neat. Wow. Um, and went around, hiked around public lands and picked up trash and tried to help um, six areas that had been damaged by the flood, like uh, handicap trails and stuff. And so that was cool. That's fun. Done some work with Calling All Crows, um, which is helps to fight hunger for the homeless people and um, has helped for women in Africa to get stoves and things that they need to to thrive or at least survive. We do what we can. There, we did a Buffalo Heart Foundation for a while, and that was an organization that would support. Um, we sent money out to Pine Ridge Reservation to offer courses for elders to teach the wisdom of the Lakotas to younger generations, which is cool because it's not trying to impose um, or homogenize views. It's kind of trying to find the gems in each culture and support those. That all sounds really rad. And okay, thank you so much for, for, sounds like you guys are really involved in a lot. Um, and how, how accessible is this like for other, other bands? Like if other bands want to be doing this kind of stuff, but maybe haven't started to, or, you know, haven't tapped into that, I'm I'm curious, like, what kind of opportunities are there for musicians to like get in, more involved? I, well, yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to make time on the road for sure. So, one easy thing is um, is finding local organizations in the towns that you're already playing and asking if they want a table um, next to your merch table, just to have cards or uh, brochures or or just be there for people to ask questions. Um, we could definitely do more of that too. We've, I always think that when we, you know, we don't always do that and we, we totally could. Um, even if it's just local farmers in the area that want to represent their farm stand or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. just so people are aware of where they can get fresh eggs if they want them. Or um, So that that's something we could all do fairly easily. It helps to have, if not somebody in the band, then somebody in the management office that's willing to do the research and reach out to those an organization that seems like a good solid organization worth uh representing next to your merch table you already it's a great platform you know you already have people coming to buy things and waiting in line and you can go oh, what's this you know the local um <laughs> like animal shelter something we did that a couple times i want to do that again where we brought a dog out from an animal shelter and brought him out on stage to mm. introduce him to the audience if anybody wants a dog they can't get him that night of course right. that wouldn't be safe it could be drunk or whatever but um <laughs> it's fun for bands because a lot of bandmates a lot of bands can't have dogs because we're not home enough to take care of them and Mm-hmm. Road life is pretty rough for most dogs, so sure. that way you get to kind of borrow a shelter dog for a day <laughs> and snuggle on it and introduce it to everybody, maybe give it a home. A lot of shelters have a three to five day minimum uh, stay before the animal 
gets killed, euthanized. So, so it's nice for people to know that they're there sooner than later. So, Bonnie, tell me about this um, caravan to Wondergrass thing you're doing. Yeah, it's uh, something we're very excited about. It's uh, going to be in Ojai, California, and it's this incredible site that's near the ocean. It's near uh, beautiful wilderness and hot springs and waterfalls. It's crazy. Ojai's gorgeous. Um, <clears throat> and we're working with Scotty Stoughton, who puts on winter under grass and camp out for a cause in yarmini grass and um yeah there'll be some local artists there hopefully representing it's it's kind of a platform that is going to eventually become this festival that we've been dreaming about since the band first started no since before it even started that i've been wanting to call art of all forms where you invite you know, the local sustainable building or homeopathic healers, um, and you have them table and, and have their um, booths, like the art of childcare, the art of natural birth, um, the art of luthery, and the art of beer, <laughs> you know, just have all of these um, local artists of different forms uh, represent their trade and then have as many forms of art as we can represent, um, like live painting and aerial performance and video projection. Uh, so eventually the, the hope is for this to be kind of the beginning of that, but this will just be one day and it's kind of a test run. Um, it'll be a lot smaller. There won't be all of those things, of course, but eventually it'll be an art of all forms fair, I think, which, Maybe someday my dream is to take it on a train and put it on Art of All Forms goes on a flat bottom boat down the Mississippi and, mm. you know, just have it be a very inviting um, platform for different artists to share what they want to share, what they have to contribute to society in a healthy way. It sounds beautiful. I, I love that. I, I'm sure it's going to be uh, a wonderful event. When When is that happening? That's going to be on November 18th nice. and that next, that's a Saturday. And then that Sunday that uh, people can camp and everything. And then Sunday I'll do a little send off uh, acoustic performance thing to say goodbye to everybody. Nice. And we'll have lunch and all that. Should be pretty neat. And we'll have um, some land preservation people there representing yeah, things gonna be fun. Um, it's really cool that you guys are so tapped into all this different stuff. It's it's really um, inspiring and refreshing to see. Um, it's definitely how I would I would kind of want to uh, you know have have my music be connected to um, to all this stuff in the future. It's it's yeah. Thanks for for being <laughs> an inspiration. Yeah, my, my pleasure. We can always do more, of course, too. It's like, sure. But yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> we do what we can. Um, one more question. Just curious. So I heard you guys were in a bus fire. Mm-hmm. I presume everyone's okay. What What happened? So the bus is going down the road. We're on our way to Hickory, North Carolina, and I kept having these recurring dreams 
of these different, like, kind of difficult situations to be in, things I hadn't experienced before. And then this light thing, being whatever, some part of my psyche or angel, whatever you want to call it, um, would kind of instruct me to find where the light touches this situation. Um, and then I would wake up and feel like I couldn't breathe. And I would go up to the bus driver and I was like, man, something isn't right. I feel like I can't breathe back there. I don't know what's going on. And he would pull over the bus. I said, maybe the air system's shutting down. He would check the air system, nothing wrong, get back on the bus. Um, and, it, you know, it happened like three times I went up there. I was like, something is not right. He's like, I don't know what to tell you, but um, we're going to stop in a couple hours, so just try to sleep. And so I go back to sleep, and the last dream that I have is Scotty Stoughton, who's helping us put on the Ojai Festival, is there with these big rafts, and the band's all about to climb on this raft. And the river's at this crazy, like, 45-degree angle pitch, like almost a waterfall. I'm like, I don't know, you guys, that does not look safe. And the river's, like, rushing, and suddenly I see, I hear the rushing of the river turns into this hissing sound and what that sound is in actuality is in my bunk all the wires at my feet were catching on fire in real life um and i was like that doesn't sound right and then i smelt the air and i could smell smoke i was like that doesn't smell right and then that light entity thing was like find the point where the light touches the situation and i with that smell i started to come to that i was in my bunk on the bus and I saw this thing at, at the same angle that the river was at, like a 45-degree angle, go down through my bunk and down below my bunk to the foot of Daniel's bunk, which is right below me. Um, and I realized that there, that light was flames coming out of from under my bunk. And so I woke up and was like, you know, I was like, smoke, smoke, out of the bus, out of the bus, out of the bus. And everybody ran off the bus and we watched the whole thing burned down with all our instruments in it, but not any people in it, which was a good thing, of course. Wow. Um, but the and a kind of uh, neat part of that story is that night we had an opening band um, who let us borrow all their instruments, and then I went to an antique store and found a washboard and fixed that up, and we ended up still performing, and the fire department came out, and they were so sweet. Um, they celebrated with us. The whole community was just so supportive and so sweet. It, it ended up being a really powerful, very sweet show. We we're lucky people were so nice to us. Like, cause we were in our pajamas, literally like we were all, wow. all of our stuff was on the bus and people took us to thrift stores and got us toothbrushes and let us borrow instruments. <laughs> so, yeah. We were lucky. People were kind to us. Yeah. That's amazing. Wow. Does that happen often where you will kind of intuit these different events or situations? Not that often, um, but it's happened a few times, but not quite like that. That was different for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think we all have that kind of, if you listen to your dreams enough, they'll tell you something. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Bonnie, thanks so much for talking to me. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. I really appreciate you. And um, I hope I get to see you soon. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Awesome. Sounds great. Thank you. Okay. Good night. <laughs> Have a good night. Bye bye. And there you have it, folks. Me and Bonnie down by the schoolyard, so to speak. Um, I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. If you're in 
Southern California. Don't forget about that Caravan to Wondergrass event that she was talking about on November 18th. If you're in the Southeast or the Northeast or the Midwest, looks like Elephant Revival is pretty much on tour for the rest of the year in those places. So try to catch them. And uh, until then, I will see you in a couple weeks with another great episode. Thank you so much. Keep the, keep the feedback coming. I, I really love and value and appreciate that. Keep the ratings and reviews coming. It really helps and makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside. Um, shout out to uh, Doug Boyden for a glowing review, my uh, former landlord in Vermont. Or was it? Have a great, a great transition into fall. Remember how blessed we are with all that's happening right now kind of a tangent but yeah let's let's all remember to be grateful and patient um we're all in it together i think you know what i'm talking about all right until next time love y'all see you soon